0: I'm super excited that you guys are joining us for the third week of this series called Love is a Verb. And I got a lot to teach this week, and uh, I'm super excited about this message right here, guys. So let's jump right into our, our scripture. First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. If you've been with us, you know we've been reading the uh, same book, but chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 18. Listen to what the writer says here. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. You know why? Because God is love. There's the reading. You know, the other day I was thinking about this series and this whole notion of love being a verb. And suddenly I had an epiphany, a revelation. It really just blew my mind. I, 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 was, I, I thought about uh, the comic books that I grew up reading and how those comic books have now been transformed into motion pictures. Marvels, and DC, and how these superheroes have come to life and how much I have so enjoyed watching them over the last couple of decades. And then it hit me. It really doesn't matter who your favorite superhero is, whether it's Superman or Wonder Woman, whether it's Captain Marvel or Captain America, uh, whether it's uh, Shung Chi or, or Black Panther, it doesn't matter who that person is, Spider Man, etc. They all have one thing in common. Their ultimate superpower is not how fast they fly or how fast they run or how strong they are. It's not how incredibly uh, innovative and brilliant they might be. No. The ultimate superpower that they all share in common is love. Yeah, love. And when I thought about that, I could almost hear this passage that I just read just ringing in the background of my mind. Come <laughs> on, Their friends... Uh, love one another. Love comes from God. <laughs> Anyone who loves has been born of God. And, and I started thinking about, about all the different ways that these very superheroes interacted and acted. And it hit me that ultimately what they did best and most consistently that all of the dramas, you know what they all, they're about love. Yeah, it, it's not how powerful they are. Because each one of these superheroes have villains. And these villains oftentimes have, they have powers as well. But what separates the villains from the superheroes that we love is this notion of love. The villain take their power and their resources and and they turn it, make it work for themselves. And they don't care who they hurt, who they destroy in the process. The superheroes that we like to watch. These are individuals who put themselves second and put everybody else forward as first. And not only are they trying to protect people that they know and that they love, most of the show shows are about them protecting strangers, people that they only meet uh, in a a moment, in an instance, who's in a crisis, who needs somebody to defend them or rescue them, or whatever the case is, they are total strangers, and yet these superheroes recognize an interconnectedness among us all, whether on the planet or in the galaxy, come on now, depending upon what you're watching or reading, yeah. And as I think about these superheroes who are willing to be blown to bits in order to save people that they don't even know, I can't help but hear the writer of this text back a chapter earlier saying this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for the other, for others, for our brothers and sisters. And, and and suddenly I realize it is as though God has crept into the subconsciousness of humanity and have hijacked, come on now, the plot development of our cinematic features and have hidden in those various incredible uh, motion picture action shows around these super pointers that point back to the gospel. To, to that love that we experience most perfectly in God who's revealed it in his son and to the one who declares you ought to replicate that kind of love in your own life. And you know what? Love, that kind of love, well, God is love. <laughs> it's a superpower, guys. That at the end of the day, Superman, Wonder Woman, Iron Man, Black Panther, whoever it is, you know, they're spending their lives serving others. Love serves. Yeah. God kind of loves her. All right. Now I've backed into kind of my first point here. I mean, really, the first point that you should circle is that there is a love that actually is a superpower that you and I have access to. And it's not made up in some make-believe world. Come on. Yeah. yeah keep that in your mind. Secondly, when I say love, when the, when the scriptures say love, love one another, that love comes from God, that uh, anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God because... Of, whoa, Exactly what kind of love are they talking about? Because when I use the word love, I can use it in a variety of different ways. And so do you, right? I love the sweet potato pie that my daughter and my wife made, the pies that they made, the chicken and dress. I love that. Is that the same thing these meaning in the scripture? Just says love one another, that kind of love. You know, I-, I love my cats. You love your pets, right? I love my kids, my wife. Uh, 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 Is that the kind, which kind of love are we talking about? What kind of love is being discussed in this text? And that's one of the interesting things about life today. We use love to mean so many different things, right? In every facet. What kind of love is being talked about here? Well, centrally, it breaks down into two categories. The first kind of category in terms of love as we experience it Is what I call self-focused love. And I don't mean it in any negative way. It it only becomes negative when this becomes the extreme. But all of us have self-focused or self-interest love. That's another way of saying it. Uh, I I love in a way that that feeds my self-interest. Here's the definition. We love something or someone because... We derive a benefit from that something of someone. I love sweet potato pies because I derive a benefit. You love your pet because they may protect you. They may provide nurture. You derive a benefit. As a matter of fact, oftentimes most of our love affairs start off in the same kind of way. You can hear Romeo declare when he sees Juliet for the very first time. He says, you know, he says, I've never seen a beauty until tonight. Everything else fades, you know. You know, um, most of our love affairs starts off in the same way. <laughs> we derive a benefit from being with that person. We see it. So that's one category. That is not the love that's mentioned in this text. That is not the love that is that 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 we see and find ultimately in God. It's the second category that this text is talking about. It's it's what I call. Others focus love. It's, it's kind of love that the superhero model that God has, if you will, has, has, has in, a, in a way hidden in these superhero stories. And, and, and we are attracted to these stories because God has shaped us in such a way to be attracted to that kind of love. And he shaped us in such a way that we can become vehicles of that kind of love. It's this, it's we extend love to someone not for our good, but for their. All right, think about the text. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ gave up his life, not for his good, but for us. Watch it. And we ought to give up our lives, not for our good, but for our brothers and our sisters. We have access to real-life superpower powers called love, God's love. That serves. Here is how Saint Thomas Aquinas talks about it. He says, "To love is to will the good for another." You see, the, the word "love" in the Greek text of what I just read is "agape," and it doesn't mean that you're, you like the people that you. He says, "Love your brothers and sisters." That's a complicated group of people. Right? He's really talking about people who we share in the community. And that community was going through some division and some splits and some anger, very much like what we're living in. A lot of polarization was happening in John's community at the time. And so he was talking about love. He was talking about, you, I'm calling you to love people that you disagree with. I'm calling you to love people that you don't like. That this is how the love of God works. Come on now, in Jesus who died for people he disagreed with. Come on, who died for people he didn't particularly like. But, but, but he willed the good. Come on now. It's not about feelings. It's about willing the good, wanting to see the best for others. It is the love that serves And I'm telling you, it's a superpower. It'll change you. It changes the world around you. It changed history as it worked itself out in real life in Jesus Christ. And it continues to change history. Come on now. As it has worked itself out through followers of Jesus who practicing the love that serves has literally helped to change the world. A hundred times over. Superpower. All right. Here's the deal before i can really experience the fullness of this love i got to i got to i got to i got to exercise it i got to develop it you practice it to develop it i told you that last week you got to grow it just cuz it's born in you doesn't mean that it's growing in you you've got to stretch those muscles And one of the things that makes it easy for us to practice stretching the muscles of God's love, learning how to channel that superpower that God has shaped for you and shaped for me, is is actually, uh, it becomes easier when we are filled up with it. In other words, we get full of it by seeing God's love and experiencing it. As, as, we, as, as, we, as we have to train the brain to see God's love and train the brain to experience it. Okay. Here's what I mean. The brokenness within us naturally gravitates to the brokenness outside of us. The, the, the negative stuff inside of us naturally seek to feed on the negativity of outside of us. And there's so much for us to feed on. It occupies our time. It has a way of blocking out of our minds. Come on now. The reality of God's goodness and love in the world. And yet I've said this before. That God's love is all around us. Because God has, has literally built into the DNA structure of creation a love that serves if you look at the moon and the sun and the stars, you see that they don't just exist for themselves, uh, they provide light and life to this planet and to the galaxy. Come on. If you look at the at the trees and the, and the, and the green vegetation, they don't just exist for themselves. They pull the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. They put oxygen in the atmosphere. They provide fruit for us. They provide a, a, a resting place for the birds. Come on now. You look at the ocean. It doesn't just, the, the oceans do not just exist for themselves. They, they house the, 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 the underwater world of fish and sea life. The the flowers don't just exist for themselves. They they provide nectar to the bee. And as the bee goes from flower to flower, he provides pollinization that keeps the process going. God has literally built a serving love into creation. It is consistent with who God is himself. In his son, he declares these words. Jesus says, the son of man did not come into the world to serve, but to, to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for others. And whoever takes Jesus into your life, that is the superpower of a love that serves. Yeah. But we miss it, don't we? Because we get preoccupied with all the stuff that's going on around us. Just turn on the TV, all of the brokenness, right? You turn on the TV and you've got all of the commentary and all of the discourse around uh, 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 Kyle. Uh, House verdict or you have the stuff that's going on with Mr. Aubrey's uh, trial around in terms of the people who were involved in his loss of life and all of the tension, the racial stuff, the political stuff. Come on. This, Russia is, is, is mobilizing troops on the border of a sovereign nation. All kinds of stuff is going on uh, at the southern border here in America. Come on. You just look around. There's all kinds of stuff. This debates about being vaccinated and mandates and, and all this different stuff is seeping into our family relationships and into our homes and into our churches and if that's not bad that's on top of the stress and stress we have with raising our kids and trying to help our grandchildren to grow up and, and trying to manage the relationship with the people that we're in love with and trying to work through our stuff with our siblings and all of that stuff going on it, 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 it's, but it, it, it preoccupies us in such a way that we can easily miss God at work in our lives we can here's the thought I want you to remember if I feed regularly on that which is toxic I more than likely will become toxic if I focus and saturate and sit in front of the TV and, and just soak up, come on now, all of the pain that is around me. And if I, if I meditate on the pain that is around me, if, I, if I, I spend all my time thinking about how unfair life is and how horrible life is and how broken life is. Come on now, pain, pain, pain. You know what that will? It, 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 it threatens to turn me into a pain, a pain for people to live with, a pain for people to work with. It will turn me into a pain. And so you know what the antidote is? The psalmist says you have to distinguish the difference between what I call passively being grateful versus actively giving things. Here's an example, of passively being grateful. I walk up to you. You've been just surrounded. You've been submerged in all the horrible things that's going on. Your attitude is funky. Come on. And I ask you about how things are going, And you say, you know, and I say, well, you know, God has been good to you. God has blessed you. you say, well, I guess that's kind of right. You tell me about, about your, your roommate, how the roommate is getting on your nerves, and yet I point out, you know, but the roommate is there p- paying rent every month, making sure that you got. You see the goodness of God. You say, wow, I haven't thought about that. You complain about, you know the, 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 uh, the, 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 you know, the job and all of the trouble at work. And I point out, but you got a job in a world where so many people are unemployed. You say, wow, I didn't realize that. And you might go, well, you know, I haven't thought about it. I'm kind of grateful. That's pacific. But the psalmist says you got to train the brain to see the goodness of God. And, as, and the more you see God's goodness, the more you'll begin to experience the goodness of God. That's serving love. That's really God's superpower that is work, at work in you and in your life. Come on now. It makes me remember this text that says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine. If we can train our brain, come on now, to see God and to experience his love. Because the text says according to his power, come on, at work within us. So the psalmist says, you've got to be active. You've got to open up your mouth. You've got to look for the goodness of God. You've got to write down the goodness of God. That's what the psalms are. They're writing it down. You've got to be able to speak it out and tell people about the goodness of God. Look at the command that comes in Psalms 107. He says, give thanks. Somebody shout, give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. Come on now. For he is good. His faithful love endures forever. If you were weeping last night, God's faithful love wept with you. If you're experiencing pain right now, God's faithful love is engaged in that pain with you. He is attending to you. Come on now. And there are blessings around you. Even in the midst on your worst day, God is not only good, he's been good to you. Listen to what Psalmist says in Psalms 34. He says, I will. Somebody shout, I will. He says, I'm going to make a choice. He says, I'm going to decide. He says, I'm going to say it out loud. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually, in good days and bad days, continually be in my mouth. Because because I'm going to make it a practice to look around and see all of the ways that God is serving me and I'm going to say out loud to God and I'm going to say out loud to other people in my life here's, all, here's, here's where I see the goodness of God today I'm going to call it out, come on now that he woke me up this morning. I'm going to call it out that I, that I had a warm bed to sleep in shelter over my head. I'm going to call it out that when I turned on my faucet and my shower, hot water came out. Come on now. I'm going to call it out that I could fix lunch and take it to work with me, that I had a bus to catch the lunch. I'm going to call it out that the blood still runs warm in my veins. I'm going to call it out. Yeah. I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to bless the Lord. So here's your homework assignment. Over the next seven days, you know, every day, write out three things that God is blessing you, three ways that God is moving in your life, three ways that you see the goodness of God at work in your life. And as you see it, it fills you up. My wife told me that she went for a jog just the other day, and she said she ran for about 35 minutes, and she said she has started practicing praying as she runs. And she said this last jog, all she did was give God thanks. For thirty-five minutes, she just started thinking about the blessings of God, the goodness of God, the things that's going right in her life, in her family's life, and our lives are not perfect. We got all kinds of chaos going on and trouble. And yet, when she thought about the goodness of God, it outweighed the misery and the pain and the horror of life itself. Call it out. You gotta be active in your thanksgiving. That's a practical way to train your brain to see God and to experience his serving love. Wow. And then secondly, once I fill up my life with God's love, then I've got to pour it out. And if, I, if, if I, my life is full of gratitude, it's easier for me to pour that love out Into the lives of others, even people that I don't agree with, that I don't particularly, I'm not attracted to, that I don't particularly, I'm not in alignment with, but I can will their good. I can be there to serve and try to be a blessing, to move them towards God's best for their lives. And so here's the point, extend God's love and multiply it. The more I extend it, the more it multiplies in my life. Listen to what the writer says in verse 7. He says, dear friends, listen, you've got to continue to love one another. Continue to love across differences. Continue to will the good for those that you don't particularly like. Continue to learn how to serve those who who will do nothing. It's not in your self-interest. Continue to use the superpower of God's serving love in the world. And it will change you. Now, here's an expression of how that looks, guys. Here it is. God love serves without attitude. In other words, it's willing to be inconvenienced. Inconvenience. Yeah. Yeah. If you have attitude with the serving that you're doing, if you're reminding people that you're doing them a favor, you're not doing it willingly. And you remember the text says, God blesses a cheerful giver. It's also true. God blesses a cheerful servant who serves others. Oftentimes, I may do something for a staff member, a friend, and they say, oh, you don't have to do X. And I will always remark, yeah, if I had to do it, it wouldn't be an expression of love. Yeah. I'm willing to be inconvenienced. Hmm. You know, my daughter is a great model of this uh a number of months ago our family decided to 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 take my 13 year old nephew because of the brokenness of life he was in a tough situation and we took him into our home it's remarkable about the cycle of life you know I was raised by my grand aunt and uncle and now here I am an uncle to this young man helping to raise him but it was going to be a heavy lift and so we we consulted as a family and agreed as a family, we would all do our part. And my daughter says, I'll take the responsibility of working with him his homework. Now, he came from a state that was the second from the bottom in education. And although he's extremely smart, that's a huge transition, right? And he comes to the Northern Bay here in California, high performing educationally, uh, the school system, high demands. And so he was having some struggle in some of his class, particularly in math. And my daughter, by the time he started school, was still working long shifts. And she was also transitioning and going to school. But whenever she got home, no one had to tell us. She would initiate. She would say, okay, go get your work. And she would sit down and work hour after hour after hour. There was no complaining from my daughter. There was no making my nephew feel like I'm doing you a favor. There was no, you ought to be grateful for the fact that I'm doing this. There was no hurry up, let's get this done so that I can get me some rest. None of that. I was so shocked at her, of her, of her attitude of just pouring love on her, on her cousin. I would learn months later that she would actually study different learning patterns so that she could more effectively tutor him. And then a number of weeks into the school system, I get a call from my nephew's uh, teacher. I think he's in trouble. But she says, I'm just calling you because your nephew is in my eligible class. And the dramatic turnaround that he has done in my class is just amazing. It's almost unprecedented. She was suggesting and I thought about wow, how wonderful it is because he's just a bright kid, but also what a blessing it is that my daughter used her superpower. Come on now, of a of a serving love to make the difference. You know, from that I I, I you know she. For me, she's my super girl. Come on now. Yes, I'm bragging on the girl because she's bragging material. But here's the good news is that when you use your serving power to be a blessing to others, whether they're in your family or not in your family, to put yourself out. Come on now. Not in your name, but in the name of Jesus. I want you to know that your father in heaven, he brags on you. He says, you're bragging material. Why? He declares you are extraordinary. You know what extraordinary is? Extraordinary. You're outside of the ordinary. Come on now. You're not the norm. You are a life that he can use to do great things. Utilize to do great things in this broken, toxic world. He needs you. Yeah. All for yourself. Yeah. Notice what the writer says, verse 10, this is real love, guys. Not that we loved God, but that he would dare love us. And inconvenience himself by sending his heart—that is, his only begotten Son—who would inconvenience himself by sacrificing his life to to pay to, in an atonement to take away our sins, to remove sins from our lives. Wow! Oh, that's that love right there. That's a superpower. <laughs> Yeah, that's the love that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a superpower. That's the love that God says, I want you to grow in your life as a follower of Jesus. Yeah, that right there, that love right there, that's a superpower. Hmm. Here's my last point. Take a picture of it. The more I will the good fathers. Another way of saying the more I love people with God's love, with God's serving love. The more that love transforms me, the more I'm filled up with all the good things that God has, all the blessings, all the ways that God is sustaining me in the midst of horror and pain and all that. And the more I concentrate, meditate on the, the 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 ultimate expression of God's love, which is His Son Jesus, who who pours His life out on a on a Roman cross to pay the price for all of my sins and all of that stuff, right? To to take away—that's what the text meant—to take away from me the guilt and the shame. I still have regrets, but those regrets—they make up the grist for my lessons, and for my wisdom for the future, but no shame and no guilt because he has discharged it all. Oh, my goodness. The more I meditate on how he loves me through my brokenness and loves me through my through, through all of my ups and downs and, and the things I get right and the things I get wrong and how he forgives me, come on, and fills my life with grace, come on, the more it transforms me and will transform you. It'll take the selfless and make you selfless. It'll take the arrogant and the proud and make you humble. It will take that person who, who is unforgiving and vengeful and make you graceful and forgiving. It changes you. It changes you. You know, at the end of the day, if we get how he keeps loving us, It allows us to be forgiving to others. It allows us to see others through eyes of grace. It allows us then therefore to seek to will the good of others despite where we may be different or where we may disagree. And when that happens, his superpower is unleashed in the world. A love that serves. Let me end here. Not only this God love serves. It saves. Yeah. You know, the fact of the matter, this world is a mess. You know, it could have been you or me or it might be you or me the next time there's a parade massacre. But oh, here's what I know. That the God who, who, who has served me through his love all of my earthly life is a God who has served me in such a way that he saves me. Yeah, that if death overtakes me, I don't have to worry about my sins. I don't have to worry about being guilty because he's paid for that on every if, if Death overtakes me. I don't have to worry about it having the final word because the because Jesus broke through the power of death and is the resurrected one who holds my life in his hand and I move from time to eternity. Yes, his love saves. His love saves. And loving like Jesus, politically and socially and in our family life, come on across our differences, is the only hope that America, our communities, your home, our family, our world, it is the only hope we have a love that seeks to will the good for others. And so I end with this wonderful passage that I've been quoting every, every week. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth of that incredible superpower by our actions of love. Lord, make this so in our lives and in the lives of everyone who hears this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want you to aim the camera on your phone right at the QR code right here on the screen. It's going to take you to our connection card and to the section entitled Next Steps with Jesus. And the very first option that you're going to see is the opportunity for you to totally turn your life over to the one who is the ultimate source of this incredible superpower of love that I talked about during this message. A love that serves. And that's Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you. To totally surrender your life to him so that he can have his way both in and through your living. And release that power, that transformative power that I talked about. So go ahead and check that. There's some other options that you can also select as well. And then I want you to pay attention to the response to the message. If you, the best way to practice this incredible love that serves is to do it in community. So I want to give you an invitation right now to join with us and participate in our Be Rich to Others holiday uh, outreach effort. And simply check the box that says, yeah, I'll pray five minutes a day. I'll put together some hygiene kits to provide for those who are unhoused. And yeah, I'll make a sacrificial gift uh, to, to be a part of helping tens of thousands of people experience the love of God in a very concrete way. Because at the end of the day, love... God's love serves. And lastly, as it relates to the response to the message, I want you to take a picture of this uh, reflection question. This reflection question. Here it is. How willing am I to be inconvenienced for others? All right, rest with that. Listen, make sure you join us next Sunday for the finale to this series, Love is a Verb. I can't wait till next week.